you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. The Around the NFL Podcast. Got a negative grade from Pro Football Focus. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. And I am joined by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl 50 in the books. We come to you live from KNBR 680 Studios, the sports leader of San Francisco. They were (laughs) kind enough to uh, give us their, their studio. And let's be honest, we don't know how the back... You know, backroom dealings are between a corpo giant like the NFL and a major radio station. The NFL could have paid millions to set this up. Well, they're the sports leader, 680. So they might have, maybe they were leading the negotiations. That's true. Uh, but we are here in the studio. We uh, took about an hour ride um, from Levi's Stadium to the studio to tape our annual Super Bowl, post Super Bowl podcast. It is, let's face it, I mean, uh, it's the Super Bowl of podcasts. Presented by and sponsored by Scott Trade. What a guy. It's the third annual post-Super Bowl podcast, I believe. First time we've ever done it from a radio station. Usually it's up in the press box. It's a little different. We're trying to get some energy. Dan's got the five-hour energy drink, but we're just going to have to be fueled by... Uh, by the hate of uh, Panthers fans everywhere. After yeah, this game. when I because I don't drink coffee, when I take a five-hour energy a shot, it's basically John Belushi in 1981 <laughs> for the first two hours of the shot. So I'm okay. Wes is in desperate need of a, a beer, so that's why we're going to keep things moving today uh, for the sake of Wes. I'm in desperate need of more than one beer. Yes, and Wes uh, wearing a handsome uh, winter cap right now. Um, Wes r- looks. Absolutely fantastic. I should say we're all yeah, we're all suited oh, well, thank and booted. You, Mark. Mark, did you say you had a grievance before we get into it? Well, a slight grievance. We're in this is a wonderful studio and and we're very happy to be here, but we're situated where the three of you are on one side of the table. I'm about fifteen feet away on the other, and I Greg refuses <laughs> to move By the way, his welcome. screen. Oh, so well. I can't see Greg's face. And I said, you know, there's a chemistry issue here. Nah, it doesn't matter. So, you know, I have to stand up, and then Greg gets to pick between a small set of headphones that fit his head perfectly or what I'm wearing, which are headphones for, like, Shaquille O'Neal's sister. So I've Who's got bigger to be than st- Shaq? I'm going to be standing up for the next 45 minutes in an attempt to save this Super Bowl show. So, like, like any Sessler story, that is filtered through a system that's so skewed it comes out 40% different the other way. I was trying to take the worst headset for you, and look, we're uh, we're. Wes, cross- and is F? this accurate? Well, you, really you started off by saying you're 15 feet away right, from you're us. You're like four feet and you away. Are, I would estimate three, three and a half feet okay. away. Well, the Sessler tax. You also you also could have been describing my Super Bowl 49 experience. How does it feel being separated from the group in a big spot? I feel much closer to the pain that you felt that evening. Okay, now, Dan. good. This show 
And it makes sense because if we didn't, we would, we should probably lose our jobs. We'll be focused on the game that was played today. And, yes, they have not come up yet in the show, which is remarkable. But the Denver Broncos, for the third time in their, let's face it, rich history, are Super Bowl champions. Uh, that after a victory over the Carolina Panthers, 24-10, the final. Obviously, uh, an upset We uh, for the entire week. Um, you know, everyone in our group, except for Mark, picked the Panthers to win. I think most of us picked the Panthers to win handily. Uh, and yet the game we saw, Greg, and we'll get, we're going to go through the game kind of quarter by quarter digging in. But the game we saw, Greg, was nothing like the game we expected. Who knows it, anything? It wasn't, but it was exactly like the game that the Broncos have shown us the last three weeks. They have shown, and we, we were talking about this at halftime. We were talking about this at the third quarter. We keep thinking, all of us, even Mark was saying during the game, well, I still expect Panthers to come back. And, I, and we thought that Carolina is going to make a comeback. They look like the better team because we think we've been brainwashed that you have to have a quarterback. You have to have a passing game to win in the NFL. But the the Broncos just did it to the three best offenses in the league, basically back-to-back-to-back, the same kind of football where they got very little play from their quarterback and their offense, and it didn't matter because their defense and Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware practically won a Super Bowl by themselves. Well, their defense forces teams into mistakes. I think that's one of the differences between them and other great defenses. Last week, or the AFC Championship game, they hit Tom Brady as many times as any quarterback in the past decade, and in this game... They hit Cam Newton 13 times, seven sacks, tie the 85 Bears for the most by any defense in a Super Bowl. That's by far the most Cam's been hit in a game this season. He had been hit, I believe, six times at most this year, and it was 13. I think that's that tells you how swarming that defense is. And Von Miller, uh, Greg said in the AFC Championship game, was one of the best games he's ever seen by any defensive player in the postseason. And he was just as good in the Super Bowl, if not better. I think it's a game, too, where we're at the point where we're seeing the 250 stories that have been posted on Twitter at this point, and almost none of them focus on the head coach. I think that Wade Phillips is the star of the evening for the Broncos, but you got to give Kubiak credit because one thing we heard all week was that they said whatever happened two years ago to this Denver Broncos team matters not and it actually played out tonight. They came out so strong out of the gate, and they basically talked about the Panthers as a team that plays ahead, and when they're not ahead, they get into trouble, and that played out tonight. So that is – and by the way, you know, I joked about it uh, last week, the idea of uh, this one's also for John. And I got to give a little credit to Elway. Uh, <laughs> let's face it, he brought in Peyton Manning, and it was as good to use a Sesslerism coup d'etat – bringing in the sheriff to win him a ring or two or three. And he ended up winning a ring with Peyton, but he did it by building a team that won the game without Peyton Manning, which is, you know, pretty impressive yeah. considering he did it, uh, was able to do that when Peyton Manning was making a ton of dough all this time, and it makes it that much harder. You can't write this stuff. I mean, he's the franchise's greatest legend. He got them their two Super Bowls. Pat Bolin is struggling with Alzheimer's disease right now. He he utters one of the most iconic phrases in Super Bowl history, this one's for John. And John comes back as an executive to win one more title for him. And and he was the one that did it. I mean, Ware and Tlaib, obviously Tlaib had a bad first half in this game, but he, he played well in the second half and he had a great season. Demarcus Ware really from start to finish had just about as big a good a game as Von Miller. You you wrote about him, Dan. I mean, he had four QB hits, a couple sacks. He didn't have the two forced fumbles. Those were the big free agents. He makes the tough choice to fire John Fox, who was very popular after last season. He brings in his old coaches, Kubiak and Phillips, and it wins him the title. I mean, you can't, you can't write this stuff on Peyton Manning's what should be his last game. I'll tell you what, by the way, and I don't know if it's because it's better mics in here. These are the best mics we've ever done a pot on but greg's voice it's got a little like it's fantastic to it i've lost my voice and i am a hundred percent in one other quick note i mean <laughs> we've sat across each other for hundred percent a thousand shows at this point we look fa- we look amazing everyone's in suits and ties <laughs> greg looks greg is hot dan just looks like i don't know what dan looks like i've already commented on wes it's a it's an a plus <laughs> performance physically the and way, in terms of our dress the way dan is looking at me when i'm when i'm bringing out this voice is just something oh special you're like kim carnes can <laughs> i clear something up on coup versus coup d'etat please yeah, go coup ahead. is the word you're looking for it's an upset a coup yeah. d'etat is a violent overthrow of a government oh <laughs> see it's a sesslerism that's why i don't use it's it it's a fair distinction by wes 
Um, and and Mark, because he's standing, which is making everyone a little bit uncomfortable. You do Including look like Mark. You're like reading. <laughs> you're like reading uh, War of the Worlds to a uh, you know a community of Americans in 1940. I did not plan this scenario. This is I'm just enduring it. Okay, so. <laughs> Let's get into the game. And, and uh, Sydney, are you there, by the way, uh, about, what, 400 miles south? Uh, something about that? Yeah, I'm here. I'm melting in this podcast studio, but I'm here. Did you do what I said before we started taping? Yeah, Prop open I, that I did. door and get I some cool air rushing I propped open the door, but in. we live in California, and it doesn't help that much. Mm, it's warm down there, huh? Yeah, it's kind of warm. Well, we miss you. We're coming back. I know. I miss you guys. It feels empty. I'm looking at a very sad, empty podcast studio right now. <laughs> All right. We're on our way. Plane tomorrow morning. Uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get into it right now, and w- let's start uh, with the first quarter. Makes sense. Again, logic uh, rules the day. Uh, they received the ball, the Denver Broncos, and this was, of course, uh, we should put this into the proper context. What the Ch- Carolina Panthers had been doing uh, during their playoff run, getting out to big leads on everybody. I believe it was thirty-one uh, nothing against the Seahawks in the first half. Uh, the NFC title game, it was something similar, similarly uh, lopsided. And what we thought was going to happen here was maybe they, they, the Broncos get their blo- doors blown off, and at halftime, there's nothing to talk about. And to that point, the Panthers led for 112 minutes in the playoffs to this point, tied for eight minutes and never trailed. And they led by 10-plus points for almost 105 minutes of playoff time. But what happens? The Broncos take the kickoff. They go straight down the field. Um, Peyton Manning connects on some passes. He goes four for six for 47 yards. Uh, they get they stall in the end zone, uh, in the red zone, but what happens, Brendan McManus comes on, hits a 34-yard field goal, and the Broncos jump out to a lead. Uh, Wes, how important was it for the Broncos to get out to that lead and kind of set the tone for the day? I think it was very important, and I think it's also a sign of good coaching. We talked about Wade Phillips, but... This happened in the AFC Championship game, too, where Peyton Manning's best drive of the season was on the opening drive of the game. And then again, uh, Sunday's game, they open with the field goal drive, and then they come out as they come out of halftime with another scoring drive. Basically, there are only two good scoring drives of the day, and I think you have to give Gary Kubiak a lot of credit for that. Right. They had very little offense, 194 yards, which is 50 less than the least, the fewest for a Super Bowl champion in history. So this is unprecedented. It's 50 yards fewer than they had last week or last game against the Patriots, which was also a very low performance. But they've had this formula, which is that they close and that they start strong on offense and it gets them a lead and they can play with that sort of confidence. And you saw the Panthers, whether it was the stage or whether it was the Broncos' defense, they started making a little error, some errors early. Dan, I was under the impression that we were going to go through every single play. You kind of summarized mm. that drive. Perhaps this is what we'll do. We'll tape this one. It's 131 plays in the game. Mark. Yeah, we'll tape this one. It's more kind of like a uh, greatest hits. It'll be about 45, 50 minutes, and then we'll stay after from about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. and cover every play. Is that cool? Yeah, I think that. Yeah, we should do that. Yes. Uh, so then the next two drives, the teams trade uh, three and outs, and uh, then the Panthers have the ball back. They're deep in their own territory when disaster strikes. Sid. He's hit and sacked inside the five. The ball is free. Denver's got it. Touchdown, Denver. Malik Jackson got the ball. Von Miller with the sack. Wow, talk about punching him in the mouth. Yeah, so Von Miller comes around and almost rips the ball out of Cam Newton's hands. It's recovered in the end zone, and all of a sudden you blink Mark Sessler, and it's 10 nothing. Yeah, and it's it's almost an absolute... It's a look at what happened to the Broncos two years ago where suddenly a team that all year long had learned to play ahead was buried against the Seahawks and didn't know how to get out. And the Carolina Panthers, it two things happened. I think it, they're, they're, they really seemed shaken from a confidence angle. And it was we were all asking how they get out of this. And we started to realize that Von Miller was plugged in. And it, it was the beginnings of one of the most dominant defensive performances we've ever seen. Well, I threw out um, a what's more likely on Thursday that was roundly derided by various producers for being too esoteric. Picking who's going to be the go to the game, Michael Orr or Robert McClain. Now, Michael Orr gave up a lot of hits from DeMarcus Ware, but it was really Mike Remmers, the right Rem tackle. Dog? The old Rem, Rem dog, dog in the big spot who, comes up empty? Who, who, no. who appeared to hold Von Miller on every single play that Von Miller did not get a strip sack on. But the two biggest plays of the game was Miller taking care of old Rem dog. And I do want to point out, before the strip sack 
and the recovery for the touchdown, there was a uh, – it was probably the last play of Mike Carey's career on CBS uh, from what we're hearing on Twitter, but a long pass over the middle, I would say like a 20-yard uh, crossing pattern uh, to Jericho Cotri. And if he makes the catch clean, I know he doesn't have any speed, but he's going probably at least 30 yards, maybe more, maybe the distance if he breaks a tackle. Instead, he bobbles it as he falls to the ground. And replay, I didn't. It seemed like he caught the ball. I thought so. Uh, it was ruled. Of course, an, he caught the ball. It was ruled an incompletion. It was challenged. Poor Mike Carey says this is a catch. This will be overturned. It does not get overturned. So instead of having maybe a massive chunk play and a different game. Uh, the the Panthers don't get anything, and that kind of set the stage for the touchdown. I mean, Mike Carey, I think we think he was right, though. Yes, it was, it was a, that's why know. he's got a tough job, Mike right, Carey. Exactly. He Dino, Dino Blandino did not think it was right. He put out, well, right. I guess yeah, that's obvious. I've stopped paying attention to Dino Blandino on the catch rule at any point because he can't give us the truth. That that is I, tough, and and the Cotri drop is why you know people are going to kill Cam Newton for this game. People are going to care that drop. You're right. If you're a Panthers fan, you're going to think about that because who knows what happens after that. The drop by Ted Ginn that we'll get to in the second half, it's, it was a lot of these unforced errors from the teams that you don't know how the game would have changed. Josh Norman, after the game, said we were playing two different teams out there, and I assumed he was playing talking about the officials. Enough of that. I don't like hearing that. Yeah, I agree. Are we ready, by the way, or are we allowed to talk about our Dino Blandino sightings all week? I don't know. Well, wasn't Connor really on the Dino Blandino beat? I well, I went to I was on the party beat, so I saw a lot of Dino as well. Dino and the entourage. That's all. He's a well, snappy dresser. We'll leave it, it yeah, there. It's about whether you're ready to. I, I didn't. I didn't lay eyes on him once. Weirdly, um, I didn't think this would be possible because we're in a studio in San Francisco. Shadowy league figures just showed up here. <laughs> they knocked on the door. Very shadowy. He, he has to move along. While they're the knocking on the door, they they, we are. while they're knocking on the door, they ought to tell the competition. Competition committee that it's the worst role in sports and it Ooh. needs to be fixed. They should bring us a beer too. So the first quarter ends ten nothing. Nobody saw that coming, uh, uh, but who knows? You didn't know what was going to happen. I think once upon a time in one of the Broncos Super Bowl defeats with John Elway, they were up ten nothing against Doug Williams and the Redskins, and we know how that turned Good out. Call back. Yes, thank you. Uh, so you still think, and I think I felt that way. I think a lot of you guys felt that way. That. All right, this could not have started worse, and Cam was 4 of 8 for 31 yards and a lost fumble in that first quarter. It could not have started worse, but the Panthers would get it together. And they did for a while, right? In the second quarter, they start to show a little bit of signs of life. Uh, uh, where were we? All right, what happened here in the second quarter? Well, I think they start they start letting Cam run, and that really jump starts their offense on that touchdown drive. Uh, they got nothing out of Jonathan Stewart except for the leaping touchdown, which pr- was pretty impressive. But they had no running a game. They had no running attack from the from the running backs. It had to be Cam, right? And that that got them going. I mean, Jonathan Stewart went twelve for twenty nine in the game. Tolbert went five for eighteen. Fozzie with Whit- two fumbles, right? Fozzie Whitaker had uh, a couple good runs when he came in. But that was something they relied on all year was Cam setting up the running game. And these weren't Cam Newton as part of the running game. Runs And maybe that should have tipped us off to this was a different sort of game. The only touchdown drive that they got, the only way they got going was him just scrambling. It wasn't, it was, that wasn't part of the offense. It was just Cam Newton being the best athlete on the field. The, yes, it was a 10 nothing game uh, when the Panthers finally came to life. A nine-play, 73-yard drive when Cam went, ran the ball a little bit. They were able to move the ball. And then Jonathan Stewart, despite not doing much all day and banged up, was able to get in the end zone. Newton takes the snap, gives to Stewart. He leaps and scores. Touchdown! Carolina's on the board. Guess that ankle's feeling a little bit better. I think the Carolina defense deserves some credit for keeping this game as tight as it was. And and I've heard you say, Dan, you didn't think it was a great game. And and I agree it wasn't a great game. But it was a tense game that was tight and up in the air until five minutes left in the game. Reminds me a little bit of the Saints-Colts Super Bowl in that way. And then you had the one big defensive play that ends it. But the reason for that was the Panthers' defense was getting stops. At one point in this uh, period we're talking about, the Broncos' offense had negative six yards in four drives. I mean, they got the ball over and over in the first half and couldn't do much. Yeah, I mean, I think what's going to be lost because Von Miller and Peyton Manning and then Aqib Tlaib and those storylines that Luke Keekley, what being able to watch him in person today, an incredible player who really this just there just was too much going on for one guy to save mm. the day for their defense. How, how but about what a game? How about Coney Ely? Coney Ely, too. Two sacks, was it two forced fumbles, an interception? He was all over the field. Yeah, to to Greg's point, 
the Broncos offense uh, after they uh, went up 10 nothing. Uh, three plays, negative two yards and a punt. Three plays, negative 12 yards a punt. Four plays, negative one yard. Uh, but they get a field goal because uh, Jordan Norwood sets a uh, NFL record in the Super Bowl on a 61-yard punt return. So that made it 13-7. to And at that point, then you start feeling a little weird. That's uh, because not only did you have uh, the strip sack for six points, seven points for Denver, then they get the big special teams play. So they get 10 points off touchdowns and special teams, and you start to wonder, uh, you know, the Panthers are going to have to wake up here because they just gave away 10 points in this game. Well, the Panthers made so many different kinds of mistakes from Ron Rivera's clock, clock management and challenges. At the end of the first half, Rivera blew it. They give up the 61-yard punt return to Norwood. Graham Gano misses a field goal. The Oof. two fumbles by Tolbert. The two drops by Kotchery. Uh, the drop by Ginn. It's just every way they could shoot themselves in the foot, they did. The- if you think about it, the, the Broncos' defense and special teams scored 17 points. They literally won the game on their own. Because I'm giving that last touchdown uh, that they end up you know, running in to Von Miller and the Broncos' defense sure. for setting it up. So they scored enough points with the Norwood return, with the Von Miller strip sacks, to win the game on their own, and then they stopped the Panthers. I mean, right. that is about as dominant as you can possibly be. And Peyton Manning uh, was as bad as you could be. At one point I, I said to Greg, and I think I tweeted it out. You did. I said that, you know, if they're going to – the Broncos and Gary Kubiak's in a tough spot. you got to bench Peyton Manning to win this game because you had the Panthers waiting to be slayed there. They were very vulnerable, but you had this terrible quarterback leaving you wide open, and, and a perfect uh, sign of this was late in the second quarter. Uh, they're already up 13-7 Denver, and they got the ball at the Carolina 24 – and Peyton Manning, the guy with the noodle arm, and let's face it, you watch it in person, and it, you cannot hide from how bad his balls look. He throws one of the worst passes of the playoffs. Manning retreats. Just to the left. And oh, throws yeah. intercepted. Picked off by Tony Ely. Tony Ely drops back, gets underneath, and has a one-handed interception. A beautiful play to spark this change and get this offense back to ball. So, you know, Manning throwing bad passes, looking like a shell of himself. But then, Greg, it's just the Panthers, they aren't able to do anything. They go three and out, don't move the ball a yard. Then the Broncos do another three and out themselves. And then what happens, their last drive, tell us, Greg, you were up particularly upset with some of the play calling in uh, Carolina's last drive that ended with a DeMarcus Ware sack. Well, Ron Rivera had a rough night, and it started with blowing his challenge on, I mean, his last challenge on a play that he was right about, but you only gained seven yards. It was second down. It wasn't a big deal. And then the end of the first half, they, they really botched the time management situation. They ran out of time. Uh, they took too long going up to before their third down rush to keep the drive going around midfield. And it just it just felt like a team that was unsettled and wasn't comfortable in that situation. It wasn't like a veteran quarterback, MVP of the league, leading the team. And it didn't show a lot of confidence that they were going to even score in that spot. And they didn't in the end. The, the, the half ended on a DeMarcus Ware sack. And I don't, I don't know how much that means, but that feeling of the Broncos ending it exactly how they started it, stopping Cam Newton and then running to to the half. I mean, they must have felt like they were on top of the world. I think it's the first time really that all voice, season. by the way, that Greg voice, it's, that rasp. It's gravelly. Marron. It's, it's really it's intriguing, Dan. When you it's, talk about the top gravel voices of all time, <laughs> Greg now enters the conversation. Very strangely. Right yeah. up there with Kathleen Turner. <laughs> it's Turner-esque. I wish I was as manly as Kathleen Listen Turner. Listen to that thing. <laughs> that was, that right there, that little clip. We have to keep it's that like, last. Is Johnny Cash doing the pod with us today? <laughs> anyway, Mark, go ahead. I would just say that I, I think that it, Super Bowl seems so strange because in theory it's the two most resilient teams in the NFL squaring off against each other. But so often we've seen that if someone gets buried early, everything starts to change. And I think the, the Panthers had not faced a defense like this or a challenge like this over the course of 30 minutes, and it looked that way. They just It's not a game we'd seen from them all season. Right. So then here comes halftime, and you know I thought it was a pretty solid halftime show. It seems like reviews were mixed. Uh, Beyonce, by the way, come on. What are you playing your new single for? And I understand it, and Greg made a good point in the ride back from the stadium that she can call her shots at this stage of her career, so it's kind of badass in a way. But, you know, you're playing the Super Bowl. Give the people what they want. A lot right, of people, everything in life's not a power play. Everything in life's not about leverage. A lot of people want Your role is to be in the Super Bowl and entertain people, well, so do it. At the end of that 
performance, though. A lot of people wanted more Beyonce and less Coldplay. So if you leave well, them wanting more, that's see, good. Coldplay to me, and I, you know, I was listening with one ear, but like the whole, I'll be honest with you. I mean, we know what Coldplay is. What, what were we expecting? They are exactly what we thought they'd be. Right. It's one of my favorite moments in our podcast history, Mark. Mark saying, we know what Coldplay is. It's like he's talking about Alex Smith in a week 14 Chiefs game or something. Well, I was, we, we know who these guys are. We've seen them before. They're going to just go out. They're going to do their Coldplay. I was mesmerized by the post-Coldplay segment where Wes was dancing to Bruno Mars in his in his little Super Bowl 50 gold, white, and black hat. It was adorable. Hat. And, he, and I took some video of it. It's on my, on my feed. I mean, it's just mesmerized. I think everyone in the press box was just fascinated by Mark. Wes. Mark has mentioned how attracted he has been to Wes and his hat. Many times. It's today. a great combination. I could not stop taking photos of what was happening. My $35 Super Bowl hat that I bought because the winds were gusting throughout the afternoon. Connor tells me it's going to be 49 degrees as soon as it gets dark. The wind dies down totally once the game starts, and it, it stays like 65 degrees. We should touch on the weather because Greg and I ended up taking a separate bus. When we pulled up to the stadium after that endless ride from San Francisco to Santa Clara. By the way, you shouldn't even be the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, let's be honest. That That is like a 40-mile trip. People get on, like, the Jets and Giants. That's a, that's a mile and a half from downtown Manhattan. This is a 40-mile trip, hour-plus without a lick of traffic. Might as well call them the Boston, Boston Patriots. I think they're, they're, like, right. Patriots. they're like the San something 49ers. Right, because the Golden State 49ers. Where or you're the Santa Clara 49ers. Or like the Bay Area Rockers, just completely rebrand yourself. I don't know. <laughs> There's so no was, tradition to the 49ers organization, so that would I, make sense. My point is the weather was beautiful. There wasn't a cloud in the sky. The sun was out. Gentle breeze. It picked up a little bit uh, as the afternoon wore on, but just gorgeous weather. Top weather day, certainly in my uh, in my Super Bowl history. Absolutely. And remember the weather that day when we're in Indianapolis in a couple weeks and we want to die. <laughs> And that takes us out <laughs> of our lesson. our halftime discussion. We move to the third quarter, and as we said, the Panthers, truly dominant for much of their playoff run, uh, kept shooting themselves in the foot in the first half. He's a false starts, delay a game, penalty here, missed tackle there. And then the second half, they take the ball, 10 plays, 54 yards. You think, oh, now they're cooking again. And remember, it's 13-7. This is a six-point game. And what happens? Kick is on the way, very high, hits the upright and bounces away, no good. Just, I mean, Graham Gano misses a field goal, I believe, from 43 yards, a kick you got to make that pulls him within three points. And if he makes that kick, we talk about the Cotterie miss, it's a totally different game because as good as the Broncos' defense is, if you're playing a three-point game, if it's a three-point game, Anything could happen. Right. There was a late, we'll get to it later on, but that field goal weighed so heavily that in what it forced Carolina to have to do. And on the flip side, what did the Broncos lose? Five fumbles, was it? And they recovered all of them? No, they lost four, recovered all four, and then the fifth they uh, did not get paid Manning. But, but I mean, it had had those other ones not, and, they, and they were the ball was bouncing around the field. It wasn't just it fell out of his hands and to his knees. It was bouncing around. What a different game it would be at that net. All these breaks knock on Denver's way. Yeah, and I and that's that's football, you know. So like, there's going to be Panthers fans that are going to say that the Broncos just got lucky. That's kind of the way it is. But you have to. There's got to be frustrating frustration building because not only are these plays happening, uh, then on top of it, you don't seem like you're getting the referee uh, help or the 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 uh, the luck help. So well, but I think the Super Bowl more than any game is an emotional game. And the, the Broncos come out in the first half, and they get that 3 nothing early lead with a good drive, and then they get the 10 nothing. This was the Panthers' chance to kind of set, okay, this half is different. And it felt like it. He gets a big play down the field uh, to Ted Ginn, right, to, to start that drive. They move the ball down the field, and then they stall. The Cotri, uh, the Cotri drop, he's one-on-one on Von Miller. I mean, you got to win you got to win that matchup, and Cotri drops it inside the 10. Third and 11, Newton does not have a great pass uh, to Greg Olson, and then they miss the field goal. So you you had a chance to have a good feeling, even if with the field goal, and instead it kind of sets the tone that, oh, here we go again. It's this uncomfortable sort of game. So instead of momentum swinging, the Panthers maybe punching in for a touchdown to take the lead or getting the field goal to cut it to three, they give the, the Broncos good field position, and the Broncos take advantage. They go down the field 54 yards. Their drive stalls, and this was a this could have been a costly miss, Greg. And you, this happened right in front of us on third down. Uh, Demarius Thomas sprung open, heading towards oh, the back yeah. pay, 
pylon and Peyton uh, either didn't see him or ran out of time and uh, went with an underneath route, uh, stalling another drive. So, again, Peyton really doing nothing. Well, yeah, he didn't have a good game. I mean, he got one interception, and he could have had more, including on that play. It got broken up. They, they were just jumping his routes, and, and we've seen this in a couple plays in the red zone where you didn't see guys open, and that was that was one right in front of us where you just thought the old Peyton Manning sees Thomas and gets it. So now we're at 16-7. Uh, an, intercep- an interception thrown by Cam Newton. Uh, another interception? Do I recall? Am I recalling No, this correctly? is the one with Ginn drops it in the red zone. Oh, yeah. yeah. After the drive before that was basically the Tech Ginn drive, and on this one, I, I just thought he played a really soft game. Yeah. He's a soft player to begin with, and he wanted to run out of bounds every time he got the ball. He doesn't fight through a defender in the red zone when he need, Cam needed him to fight through that defender. And that was – everyone was noticing. You saw it all over Twitter. There were several plays where – and I remember when we sit on the white couch uh, for the NFL Now game day blitz show on Sundays uh, when you would watch highlights with MJD and Ike Taylor, they would always get angry on a interception return or a play where a guy broke one where they kind of cut towards the sideline or instead of back toward the middle. I remember one specific play – with Ginn where it looked like he really had a chance to maybe take it to the house and just slid out of bounds, and it wasn't the first time he did it. They, the receivers killed Cam. Cam That's did true. Not, That's a good point. Cam did not have a good game. Now, all of these things, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. The Broncos' defense played great. Cam did not have a great game. But the Panthers' receivers also killed Cam. And if the Panthers' receivers had played the game of their lives, it would have been a different type of game. They did not lift him up. Like he's lifted them up really this whole season. I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's and we knew, you know, that was the the narrative in training camp going into the season. That was a weakness of Carolina. Kelvin Benjamin goes down. How do you possibly overcome that? And instead, that team was the team they were because of these role players becoming such a help to Cam Newton. And it all fell apart because they played a defense they haven't seen all year. All right. So after the interception, the Broncos can't make anything happen. They trade punts. And really, the last time you saw. The Broncos be aggressive on any level. They let Manning drop back. Uh, he gets hit by Coney Ealy, uh, a strip, lost fumble, and the Panthers get the ball back. Coney Ealy, West did not play a ton of snaps, but he had a huge impact. Yeah, I think you credit Dave Gettleman, who has talked about hog mollies and blue blue goose pass rushers, and, and Coney Ealy's a guy he picked up in the second round that they needed. And I think when you look at the game Coney Ealy had, I think you look at these two teams and, and you kind of say – the Panthers are in better shape going forward. They should continue to win that division uh, and be a force in the NFC, and the Broncos have a lot of questions about their future. He didn't even play that much. Like, like Dan said, I don't know what the final snap total was, but it was only at 16 at the point where he had already made Super Bowl history. He's the first guy ever with multiple sacks. He ends up with three and a uh, and forced an fumble. Inter- or and an interception. interception, and he ended up forcing a fumble, too. It's, out- it's an outrageous game by him. And this is, this is the part of the game again now where you – you keep waiting for that kind of cam magic, and you're like, all right, now after the fumble, we got a six-point game again. The whole time I'm thinking they're going to score a quick touchdown, and after this whole game of Denver being in control, they're going to be losing in the fourth quarter with a quarterback that can't move the ball uh, to save his life. But again, they move the ball 29 yards on six plays, but they can't they can't move it into the end zone. Well, when I want to go back to the okay. decision to throw it on third and 14, and Peyton Manning fumbles the ball. And at that point, people are killing Kubiak for being too aggressive. And later in the game, they're killing him for being too conservative and running on, on third and long. And, and all I'm thinking is, it's not the coaching. It's not the coaching. The Panthers' defense is much better, and this Broncos offense can't do anything. It's a miracle that this – not a miracle, but it's amazing that this team won, won the Super Bowl. It's not coaching. Co- Kerry Kubiak wasn't going to make – the magic decision where this Broncos defense was going to make good plays. They just weren't making any good plays no matter what they were doing. So I couldn't really kill them for being aggressive or being conservative. It obviously made sense in the end that they were just trying to get out of there and just stay out of the way with their offense. I'm was, looking at bizarre. Greg through like 44 like circles <laughs> of wire. I can, I, this is the most surreal podcast I've ever experienced. I'll Probably you, not for the three of you. Greg's passionate. He's got a rasp in his voice like, Nat King Cole in 1947, <laughs> and uh, he's delivering the goods. Would that be fair to say, Wes? Yeah, I think uh, you surprised me by nailing the years on Nat King Cole's prime. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Christopher. Also, I should say that solid, uh, you know, 4,000-carat 
NFL 50 lapel pin that you've been oh, yeah. using to mock us, and it's also tumbling you down. The common man rankings has <laughs> uh, now flipped upside down, and uh, it seems uh, like a shot against the league. I had a random friend who's never even met Wes text me based off a photo he saw and said, Chris Wesling's pin is outrageous. <laughs> that was it, his only comment about the kinda, Super Bowl. It is a it's free gaudy. pin, one of which you were all given. It's a little bit gaudy. It's a little flashy for your taste, I would think. You are like the Deion Sanders of, of our group right now. I am festive. <laughs> it says Super Bowl on it, and I'm at the Super Bowl. Wesleyan, however, watched the game. Shots <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> fired. Listen, the shadowy league figures, they don't even know where we are right now. That was, a bit, that was a bit by Greg before. We were locked away in a foreign studio. They have no access. This could be our real chance. If we wanted to take some shots, maybe drop some haymakers, and then head off to, you know, podcast.com slash org. This would be our shot. We could could go from being an international podcast to a regional one in Northern California at 680, the sports leader. That would be a huge (laughs) step for us. Or we could all, you know, wake up on Tuesday and suddenly realize, hey, why didn't Sydney ever post that podcast? What happened, (laughs) Sydney? I'm like half asleep, so, you know, Uh, I got you. I would like... I would like to hear, like, Mark talking six hours about a San Francisco Giants-Miami Marlins game in June. (laughs) I would rather be shot to death. (laughs) So, back to the game. So, yeah, the Panthers get the ball after the Manning fumble, and this is is probably another play that Josh Norman was referring to on a third down. Newton targets Ted Ginn. It looks like Roby might have interfered with him. You could certainly um, make the case that it was pass interference and the Panthers should have had first and goal. Uh, what did you guys think about that play? Was that a bad no call, or was it okay? I thought it was a terrible no call. He basically tackled them before. He kind of mugged them, it seemed. Before the ball got there. I mean, Ginn was probably going to drop it. Let's be fair, but I don't want to say anything because the least attractive thing in sports is fans complaining about officials. Well, I don't. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> but we're not fans. We're not fans of these. I know. Teams. I just don't want to give uh, Panthers fans oh, any the, more fodder. Well, plus it's true. The officials really, I mean, the, they got a couple of bad breaks, but no one's going to, no one in their right mind could think that the officials cost the Panthers a game. Give me a break. Not today. Yeah. So Gano makes the kick. So it's 16 10 now. 10 21 to go in the fourth quarter. And what happens again? The Broncos go three and out again, and they gain four yards. It really is remarkable. And this is when this game, you really. It started to crystallize that the, the Carolina is just not going to get over the hump. They go three and out. Then the Panthers get it back. They go three and out. And then uh, in what was the game that really sealed uh, the Carolina Panthers' fate and uh, all but locked up a third Super Bowl uh, for the Denver Broncos. And guess who is at the center of it? Von Miller. They rush four. In the pocket is Newton. He pumps the ball. It's knocked out of his hands. It bounces around. And I think Denver's got it. Ball still is free. T.J. Ward's got the ball. At the Carolina five-yard line. Vaughn Miller again. You know, after, Vaughn Miller. After the, after the game, Aqib Tlaib. You know, Vaughn Miller was the MVP running away with it. But Aqib Tlaib talked about T.J. Ward. Had he, had he pulled, taken that in for a touchdown? that he moves into that conversation. I mean, T.J. Ward played an amazing game tonight. All over the place, disruptive, a couple turnovers. I mean, he was fantastic. Was he even the best safety on the field? Mm. Well, Darian Stewart I, also had a great I, game. You know, honestly, I, I, can't, I cannot comment on that right now. Darian Stewart helped set up another big turnover, so there's no question about that. But T.J. Ward delivered. I mean, but these guys were both questionable at one point. Would we, would these guys play? Would we see them? He played with, a, with an injury, T.J. Ward. I thought That's what Akib said. And, this guy's the man. Yeah, so, I mean, and Von Miller, I mean, this guy, and I talked to DeMarcus Ware after the game, and he said that... Humble brag. It was. Name was dropper. Straight name drop, humble it's called brag. called Dan doing his job. I ain't afraid. But I did talk to DeMarcus Ware, humble brag, name, name dropper, and he said that... <laughs> First time I think anyone's ever self-called them on that. That's good. He's just saving some time. Nailed it. Check yourself. Uh, he said that, you know, all season when it came time, because he knows um, how special... Uh, Von Miller is, and I think he was kind of hinting that sometimes Von Miller needs a little bit of a, uh, you know, coaxing to get the best out of him. He would come up to a, him on the sideline, oh, let's go, baby, it's time for you, the, you know, Miller time and blah, blah, blah. And he was able to get Von Miller pumped up. In this game, they won the game. Von Miller and DeMarcus Ware had four and a half sacks, six quarterback hits, uh, a uh, two forced fumbles, both by Von Miller, uh, tackles for loss. And Von Miller was named MVP for the game, but 
Greg, DeMarcus Ware could easily gotten the same award. Well, you saying it makes me think, has a pass rush duo ever done more to win a championship? It is hard to imagine, you know, I can't go through the list in my head right now, that any duo has ever won a Super Bowl almost on their own more than Miller and Ware have because they have did it the last two games against two teams that were favored against them. And they were the difference in both of those games. Those or two have guys. two offensive lines in this game done less. Sure. Well, they combined for 15 quarterback hits in two games. It's, That's I mean, insane. It's amazing. It's two guys who might both be in the Hall of Fame one day. I think this this game certainly helps to Marcus Ware. Von Miller's a young guy, but he's had about as good a first five years as, you, as you're going to have. He's about to get the franchise tag, and if they end up working out a long-term deal, he's going to be the highest-paid defensive player in football. It's such a team sport, and we always – hoist up the quarterback as like that they're they're almost the only thing that matters. Well we just saw a team uh that almost had very that had very little quarterback play that won the Super Bowl. But in the end it was kind of two guys that, that won it for them. It really it, it as well, big their of a, entire defense which is loaded with stars at every level. But without but those are the two guys that make them special. I mean I agree, I agree the secondary like maybe that's why Ted Ginn has alligator well, got, alligator arms in the red zone. The is secondary is Danny Trevathan had a great right. game. Derek Wolf has had a great month and a half. Malik Jackson's been phenomenal. Absolutely. And Derek Wolf put Stewart out of action early. I mean, that changed the complexion of this game. And Wade Phillips said after the game that you know why did they ask you know how did you have so much success containing Cam Newton? And they it seemed like they had a plan. You know, if they had to to mix up blitzes and get a little uh, a cutesy to to really contain Newton. But then what happened was their front four was doing such an amazing job of getting to Newton. It allowed them to play the game at, it, through their hands, and and it just it all went through Newton. It was a total a total team effort. But I think Ware and Miller, their ability to continually beat uh, the offensive line of the Panthers, set the tone for everything. So now the Panthers are in deep trouble. The the Broncos have the ball at inside the five yard line, and this again, Josh Norman's going to get upset about this. On third down and four, Manning drops back to pass. He sails it out of the back of the end zone. Uh, Josh Norman gets called for holding, and now it's first and goal from the two, and then C.J. Anderson. First and goal, handoff, C.J. Anderson, left guard, into Kukli, into Keekley. Second effort to the goal line, touchdown Denver! C.J. Anderson with the first offensive touchdown for the Broncos in this game. I'd yes, like to thank Marshawn Lynch for uh, making me miss this whole sequence of events. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. That uh, around that terrible. About eight minutes left in the game or so, maybe yeah. maybe ten. Uh, we get the first tweet or the first mention that Marshawn Lynch has tweeted about his retirement, causing panic in the in the press box. How are we going to handle this? Do, can we confirm this right now while we're trying to watch the Super Bowl? Who's going to write it? West steps up to the plate. West takes a bullet and also VP. No, 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 no. Our poor editor back in Culver City, David Ely, who is a Panthers fan and his heart is breaking slowly, has to like get on the phone and <laughs> confirm reports. The poor guy. Oh and the same Ely that brought a bottle of champagne to the office for a post-game celebration. Oh. This was in no way taking My a bullet own. or a selfless move. You guys know me pretty well. I'd much rather write about Marshawn Lynch's retirement than go down to a locker room and talk to NFL players. By the way, everybody. Well, that's fair. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Everyone has their roles. I said this after the game, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm a Yankee fan, but I'm not an A Rod uh, defender, really. You know, when he opted out during the fourth game of the World Series when the Red Sox won in 2007, he got killed for it for taking away from the splendor of the game's greatest stage. Uh, when Marshawn Lynch does the same thing in the fourth quarter of a Super Bowl game, it's like this guy is who he is. He does plays life by his own set of rules. A little quirky. And you got to love him for it. Classic Marshawn. That's a double standard, bro. I am totally on board with that double standard because one of those guys is a soulless fraud, and the other one really does <laughs> just kind of live by his own rules. <laughs> Although, if anything... Yeah, let's check out some of, the, uh, some of Marshawn Lynch's real backdoor dealings with major corpse and his inability to talk to the press. Yeah, he's a real man of the Definitely people. Definitely a good night to get deep into Yankees talk. It was a cool <laughs> it was a cool way to retire with the hanging him up and he sends the tweet out. But I would this was a little more calculated. People say, "Oh, Marshawn cool. Lynch doesn't doesn't care. Like he doesn't care about any Well, this is the 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 ultimate in caring. He decided to put this out there with 10 minutes left in the Super Bowl. He planned it out. This was the big plan. I wanted to do something that no one's ever done when they retired. I wanted to do it, like drop it right in the middle of the Super Bowl. Maybe it gets buried. Maybe I want, whatever it was, that was the plan. It was pretty planned. (laughs) He was trying to take the stage. He was testing his ego and what 
his cultural cachet was. And it just led to poor guys like David Ely and poor Chris Wessing trying to watch a Super Bowl <laughs> having to do other work. Come on. Hey, come back to us, Marshawn. Well, it's gonna it's gonna lead to not as much talk about Marshawn Lynch's retirement, and maybe maybe that is what what he wants. In the How about end, this? We'll get and we'll get into Marshawn Lynch's amazing career uh, a little more this week. Our next show is Wednesday, by the way. Uh, but you know, let's get back to the game. Because, well, you know what's cool is yes. the two point conversion. I yes. do. Yes, I want to talk about the two point conversion because first, the trivia question for you guys: Peyton Manning, in what better have been the final pass of his career, uh, completed a two point conversion. Uh, to who? First person to name it gets a beer if any bars open after the show. Was it Caldwell or Fowler? Benny Fowler. I knew it was one of those. I wasn't watching. I was like knee deep in other thought at that point. What were you thinking about? Well, because we were about to go down to the locker room. This game was over. Yeah, the second the fumble happened, I started writing the game story for the site. Sure knows. <laughs> well, I was watching it because it was Peyton's final moment on a day where he couldn't find the end zone if you would have given him a map. Yeah, he, uh, he did. Well, hold yeah. on. We're being yeah. a little too hard on him. We're not being too hard on him. Just one terrible. minute here, because I, I, I liked your tweet about the switch to Osweiler. Because maybe if it was a different time in the season, you'd do that. But when I went downstairs and talked to the Broncos, they talked a lot of them about what Manning spoke to them about last night, and that the entire operation here was a Demarcus Ware and Peyton Manning led effort, and there is no way that you bench Peyton Manning. They were going to go down with him, and I just I don't think that ever would have been on the board. And, yeah, it was a pretty awful game. It was probably the one of the worst winning quarter. It Was it the worst winning quarterback he performance? Nine, he had a 9.9 yes. QBR. Yeah, but, but it's Peyton Manning, and how? what kind of can of worms do you open if you Mark bench him? Look at Mark full circle on I, Peyton Manning. You know what? Unreal. Because I'll tell you what. This week, I think what happened was I just got closer to see how many people on that team – absolutely admire that guy and if they oh, knew that no but if you benched him i think it would have caused complete insurrection i mean i think it would in confusion i think coaching's different than what we think about up in this in the press box well here's one quarterback that had a, a similar game in the super bowl john elway 12 for 22 123 yards one interception in 1998 that is almost exactly the numbers as peyton manning well, 13 of 23 141 yards one interception. So it's a it's a team sport, and the, the team carried him on his back. That's great. I mean, more power to him. He's been on some high-powered offenses that blew it in the playoffs, and now he di- it happened a different way. Well, you can, cool. you can point out that he was a total and complete liability today. Uh, one for 13 on third downs. I, I remember walking over to you at one point in the second half and asking if he had completed a pass since the opening drive. Mm. I mean, he went through long stretches where the offense just fell apart. And like you said, 194 yards, which is 50 less than any te- any winning team in Super Bowl history ever had. That said, he also watched Cam Newton and Tom Brady make backbreaking mistakes the last two weeks, and he did not do that. Although he did have two turnovers, I mean, so even even this was more of a error for good. It was a, it's a strange story because of that. I mean, it, of course he's the story. Uh, I mean, he's the biggest story just because he's one of the greatest players ever, but it's a strange thing just because he's clearly so, so much of a shadow of what he once was. And that was the game 24 to 10 final. The confetti confetti falls down at the big bell bottom, uh, in Santa Clara. That's um, not a thing. Do you No, that's not, it's not a thing. Stop trying to make it. Uh, but I will offer some analysis, um, from my wife, Emily, who not only attended our first Super Bowl. It was her first NFL game uh, she attended with her dad, Bob. Uh, a text kind of apropos of nothing while I was waiting for um, DeMarcus Ware. My analysis, Colin, a seasoned QB versus a rookie Super Bowl QB, seasoned, comma, mentally prepared wins. Your thoughts, guys. Emily Hansis, uh, you know, sometimes when you go over to the Hansis household, she's got the big screen TV going. She's got the coach's film. She knows what she's talking about. I disagree with your wife. Whoa. Whoa! I was trying to be supportive. Not there. a good, not a good move. I think your wife is great, but no, I don't think that. <laughs> I don't think that it had anything to do with the seasoned quarterback who had a horrible game. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. you're not you're not impressed with his nine point nine QBR. <laughs> no, and I think it's okay to admire his perseverance for the season he had, and that he didn't he didn't really I don't know. The last time we had Emily Hansis on this show, she came on to diagnose the concept that Eric Berry was scared of horses 
and she wasn't ple- pleased with some aspect of that show, and she's and she's never been on since. This will not help. Yeah, uh, yeah, she used to ride horses as uh, as a youth. Um, so yeah, that. So what does this mean? And now let's just kind of take a step back before we go. Uh, you know, there's all there's always going to be a lot of talk about uh, Peyton Manning about what this means. Does, does this move him up at all? I mean, I can't say it can because he was, as we're saying, without piling on a total liability in this game. But it certainly helps. Uh, uh, from a uh, macro standpoint, that now he's got two rings in addition to all these passing records. Does it mean anything this win for Peyton Manning's legacy, which is so weird because it's Super Bowl? We'll spend the next you know 50 Thanksgivings having as many Super Bowls as Eli. Yes, I, I think as time goes on, the details of how this all happened will fade away. For instance, no one in this room, I agree. no one in this room, including me, remembered that John Elway in that Super Bowl in '98 was essentially Ben Roethlisberger in his rookie year or second year when they. But I, I didn't. And I not, remember. Not I, that, just, I didn't want to say anything because I just wanted to keep the show moving. That's fair. But I remembered every pass of that game. <laughs> now I realize it's just a bit. John Elway's <laughs> body was not failing him to the extent that Peyton right. Manning's. Is. He wasn't coming off a bad season. He was coming off a good season. Right. He had a bad game, so it it was different. I think it absolutely changes the way people think about him because people think of him for playoff failure and he's going to retire with three straight playoff wins. Whether, you know, whether I always think wins. He's going to retire with a winning record in the postseason now, too, 14 and 13. Right. And Mm. I think we put too much on quarterback wins and losses. And that's been to the detriment of Peyton Manning's career that he's been better than his playoff record really indicates throughout his career. Not and much now it's, better. Now it's kind of even and out. Well, Not he'll, much better. He'll always be remembered if he does walk away as just like Elway, the guy that kind of completed that cycle and did exactly what Elway brought him in to do. So I think it does matter quite a bit. And on the other side of it, Cam Newton, we should touch on this before we go because it will be the dominant uh, kind of, side topic of the game when you're not talking about the Broncos and Peyton Manning is uh, his behavior after the game at, at his press conference. And Connor Orr wrote a really nice piece on the Around the NFL page about it. He had a, his hood up. He answered a lot of uh, questions with one-word answers left after two and a half minutes. And Connor made a really good observation that it appeared that Mike Shula and their uh, QB coach were trying to get his attention to get him to pull his, his, his hood, hood back and be a little more I guess I would assume just a little more professional about it because they knew what was going to happen if he didn't handle it well, and he didn't, and now he's going to pay the price for it. Everybody on NFL Network was uh, piling on after the game, and and that's not going to be it. We're going to pay the price for it, too, because I feel a lot of sort of posts and reaction coming to that. A lot of that's going to go on Wes's plate. (laughs) Oh, it's such a tedious topic. I mean, yeah, he has moments of immaturity. Yes, he likes to call attention to himself. He doesn't handle things well all the time. Doesn't make him a bad human being. I, I agree with I that. I just hate that we're going to spend all week just trashing him for something. Yeah, well, we I don't, don't have to. We don't have we to. We don't have to. He did a bad job, yeah. but it doesn't – I don't think it, it, it means anything bigger than it he remind, just did a bad job, and that's it. Reminds it reminds me He's of the, why is Gronk out dancing after a Super Bowl loss. Yeah. 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 I mean, nobody cares. I mean, why, this, who, that's no big deal. This team had their heart broken. I really think that the the Panthers felt like they were going to write a story that could begin something you know long and storied, and now you're starting over. I I did a, a spot with Damashek. Is that a humble brag? Does Damashek count? Yes, that is an nah. achievement. Uh, on Friday, where we had a, a a serious conversation, football heady conversation about what happens if the Panthers spank the Broncos and they go eighteen or nineteen and one, whatever, and uh, where do they rank all time? So. For, to go from having that conversation at Friday at 5 p.m. to Cam Newton uh, giving one-word answers and then kind of walking off as presser after an ugly loss, I mean, it's a, it's amazing how quickly things change. Well, by the way, Damashek came in the press box and, like, tore it up for eight minutes. Fantastic. He's got a great gig, Dave. Let's face Took it. Mike Tolbert to town. Well, we were – I think, though, Wes, when it comes to the Cam stuff, that I, I saw a couple tweets from some of the – writers that cover the team and are overall, I think, pretty sympathetic to Cam Newton and and believe he's a good leader. And, you know, they said one of them was a, a quote they had from someone, I believe, in the organization previously to this, that, that Cam's one of the best winner. He's the best winner in the world, and he's he's not a great loser. That and happens to a lot of competitive people. Absolutely. Hyper competitive and Marshall, people. And Marshall Falk made a good point after the game that, if you haven't been on that side of things, talking to the other you know great players on the show, 
that you don't know what it's like and that he remembers he handled the loss to the Patriots. I remember that too, that he handled it really poorly and he knew it and he said he learned from it and that he really regretted it pretty soon thereafter. Mm. And he was basically saying that he thought Cam Newton, that that would happen to him. And, and Jonathan Jones, who covers the team closely, he said class matters to this organization. And it was just a tough moment. And Cam didn't handle himself well in that moment. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but you can still say that Cam might end up regretting that someday. He should regret it because I don't want to let him totally off the hook because, listen, you say he's a super competitive guy. No one, to me, is really more competitive or or much more competitive than Tom Brady. And I think you got to look at like a guy like Brady who handles winning and losing so well. And I really do think that matters. He's also 39 years old. Uh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm just saying that's kind of, I think, a model that a guy like Cam Newton should look toward instead of just chalking it up to being a competitor that you could mope after a game. It, it is when you're the quarterback, you're the face of the franchise, and there is responsibility that comes with that. He's got to learn. That's well, all. Cam will have a chance to learn from it the way that Marshall Falk did. And I He'll be we'll, back we'll in this out. game. Yeah. Well, what happened today also maybe. is that we were talking. Maybe talk- he'll be back. Maybe. We I were mean, talk- Dan Marino didn't get back, really. Didn't we were talking about this as the year of Cam, and now I don't think you can really say it was. No, it's a terrible ending for well, him. But he's got a lot of years left. I mean, he won the MVP. If, yeah, if but it's that the means year of nothing. Cam, you're capping it off with a Super Bowl win and talking about your Damashek discussions as where do they rank in the history maybe, of the Panthers. And maybe that factors in to the awareness of the way he acted because – he was able to maybe put that in perspective that he knows everything he did kind of was tainted the way that game went. Yeah. Well, that that's the thing, and I, I he'll be okay. Cam's gonna be okay. I feel like I say this every year at the, the end of the Super Bowl or whatever, but yeah, like he might be back, but you don't know if you're gonna get back with a team that was sure. rolling up thirty point leads in the first half against two of the best teams in the league and in your MVP season and eighteen. I mean, you don't you just don't know. That's, that's football. Um. All right. So there you go. There's our Super Bowl. 50 recap. Shout out to Wade Phillips, by the way. I mean, oh, yeah. 40 years in the league. His dad was in the league. How many years? 30 years. Bum Phillips, you know, Wade Phillips finally gets a title. Treats the best two quarterbacks in the NFL like a rag dog. Dials up the most blitzes against Cam Newton of any coach. I'll give him a shout out in the morning. It's it's like 333 right now. <laughs> All right, now yeah. we can go drink. Sorry, he yeah. really did. He he. Uh, I talked to him after the game. He said, "I said, oh, you know, beating Brady and Newton back to back to win a Super Bowl." He's like, "Don't forget about Roethlisberger." So he's proud of it. <laughs> I mean, that, that, son of bum. That's son of bum. And they asked, you know, what what would your dad say? He's like, he would be happy that we we put it on him. Uh, I think was his quote. <laughs> cool. Something if on you want to know more about Wade Phillips and Bum Phillips, read nfl.com slash love ya blue. Going in like going Man out like you went in. I want to get the line right. He would be glad we kicked the door in was the line. So that's it. And by the way, thank you. And we'll get into it more on Wednesday show. Greg is going on a sabbatical uh, uh, this week, but we will continue to grind, keep pounding uh, Stefan Curry banging in front of the NFL Network building uh, for the ATN guys. Uh, three more shows this week. Uh, but uh, <laughs> wait, where was I? Wednesday, Thursday, by Wednesday, the way, this week. Thursday, but we'll get into it. But the, the meetup. At the Golden Gate Tap Room was a huge success. Oh, yeah. Uh, you estimate, I don't Fantastic. know, 50. Wes, you said that you thought it was more than that. Wes said, what, 177? I, I thought there were about 70 <laughs> people there. I had an absolute blast. I'm with you. It, it was, was a great time. It was, it was great, great to meet Thank everybody. you to everyone that came out. It was cool. Everybody was cool, even the Patriots fans. And uh, uh, so thank you so much for joining us. That was fun. So we'll maybe talk, get into that a little bit on Wednesday, so make sure you check that out. But that is it for now. Sydney, thank you for hanging in there. Unless you're passed out, uh, maybe a heat stroke scenario, and there's no one to save you, and by the time we get there, it'd be too late. Are you alive? I'm alive. I'm okay. Oh, thank God. One fifteen on the West Coast, four fifteen on the East Coast, which means Kevin Patrick is about to wake up and do his shift. Kevin Patrick's a warrior. Uh, that's it for the Around the NFL podcast and the 2015 season. We move into the offseason. Uh, here we go. Until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for Quiet Storm. The mailman. The boss. And La Cid behind the glass. One last time. Till Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart.